I'm Lucy. And I'm Mandy. And we are two fertility nurses who bring you WTF. A podcast about all things fertility that everybody expects you to know, but nobody teaches you about. A safe space to laugh, learn, cry, share stories, and most likely have a few WTF moments. This is What the Fertility. Hi, everyone. We hope you've been enjoying our episodes so far. We've enjoyed bringing them to you. Yeah, it's been so fantastic to see everyone getting involved and enjoying the content so far. We have a little trigger warning disclaimer that we wanted to share before we started this episode. There are some pregnancy complications that are explored. So just a trigger warning for anyone who may be sensitive on those topics. But getting into today's episode... We have two very special guests that we brought in. We've got Elle and Locke, who have been through their own fertility journey, happened to be friends of mine, and then came through the clinic as patients of ours as well. So it's been a pretty special journey between the lot of us, <laughs> and uh, we can't wait to get into it and share their story in a really safe space. Let's get into it. In this episode, we speak both about IUI and IVF. We just wanted to quickly explain the differences between the two because we don't do that within the episode. So an IUI is called intrauterine insemination. It involves stimulating a small amount of follicles. And then usually it can be either natural or with a trigger injection. And we bring on ovulation and then pop sperm into the uterus. And basically it's up to the body for that to do its own thing. Then we also mention IVF. So when we're talking about an IVF cycle in comparison to an IUI cycle, in an IVF cycle, we are essentially trying to get as many follicles as possible. So stimulating as many as we can with medications and then essentially trying to get as many eggs as we possibly can so that then we can retrieve them with an egg collection procedure, take them into the lab. The partner then produces a sperm sample or we use donor sperm, not in this situation with Ellen Locke, but wherever we end up getting it from. We then put the sperm with the eggs and then consequently that creates embryos. So that is the main differences between IUI and IVF. IUI is the procedure of putting the sperm back in and letting the egg do its own thing with the sperm inside. And IVF is all in the lab under a microscope, popping the eggs and the sperm together. And then once we have embryos, putting them back in, in our embryo transfer cycle. Hi guys. Hi guys. Happy to be here. All right, so let's start from the very start. It's been a long old journey for you guys, and it's been a full roller coaster ride from the get go. Can you tell us a bit about when you first started trying to conceive, and then at what point you got in contact with your GP, and then at what point they sort of said, let's maybe get a specialist involved? This isn't really going as we thought it would be. So I think towards the end of 2020, we decided that we wanted to start trying. So before we did that, I went to the GP, mm-hmm. asked a couple of questions. We didn't really need to do much from there. And then, yeah, started, I guess, trying to conceive at the end of the year. And then we probably got about nine months in and nothing mm. was really happening. I was starting to get pretty impatient. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we talked about having kids for a long time before that, but we just weren't in the state. So I think by the time we started trying, I was kind of ready to be pregnant already. So I think that period of time, it was just counting the clock. Yeah. Yeah. So we then at about nine months decided to go back to the GP and just have a chat. Mm -hmm. And she just referred me straight to a specialist to 
to see if anything was going on. Quick mm. question for you. Yeah. At that point, do you reckon it was taking a toll on your relationship, the frustration of taking the fun out of actually trying and that sort of thing? Or do you reckon it was fine still by the nine month mark and you were just sort of like, oh, maybe, you know, it'll be fine and it's just not happening? Yeah, look, I'm a pretty impatient person. Like, I. <laughs> No. <laughs> to be really honest, I think as soon as we started, yeah. as soon as we had said we're going to start trying, mm. it kind of almost became a chore. Like, became very, yeah. very procedural yeah. and uh, yeah. working to timelines yeah. and, and clocks. And yeah, it, 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 yeah. It, it, certainly the joy was out of it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is a pretty awful thing to say. But like, no, that's just, but you I know, think yeah. that that's so common. And I think this is so what we're about is people just saying it out loud because I think that everyone goes through that, but nobody really says it, you know. Nobody says, nah, it was pretty not right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a task, you know. Well, you lose just all the spontaneity of it like yeah. it's just you're watching cycles yeah you're tracking yeah. apps you yeah it's probably got fun ovulate the time yeah and then you're like oh, okay yeah. <laughs> anyway yeah. so then you got referred to a specialist yes so then we got referred to a specialist we went and saw them and she recommended that we do a tube oh help me out here but like right. a tube flush yeah yeah um patency check Yes. Yeah. Tubal patency check. Yeah. Just to make sure the tubes are all looking fine. Because basically it's a process of elimination, right? So they're like, let's start with this. And if that's fine, then let's go to this. And if that's fine, then let's go to this. So they probably started at the start and they're like, okay, let's check the tubes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what they did. So they went in, injected a dye, that which mm-hmm. we watched on a screen. And it was really evident straight away that it was going through one side, but not the other. And so that was kind of flagged, but nothing major. You know, it was kind of like, well, that can happen sometimes yeah. once the die rolls through mm-hmm. it can just preference one side we were kind of given the option do you want to do anything now or do you want to wait a little bit <laughs> and um <laughs> funnily enough yeah, funnily enough <laughs> You were like, ah, now. Yes. What can we do? So then we decided on the path of IUI. I think I'd already kind of looked into what IVF options looked like. Yeah. But was kind of recommended at the time, let's try IUI and see how we go. Well, because you've got two ovaries and it takes one good egg and the left side was blocked, but there's nothing to say that there was anything wrong with the right side. And that doesn't mean that that can't be used to get a normal pregnancy. So IUI first, start with the most least invasive. And at this point, we're still under a year. Yeah, th- that's yeah, what we were okay. told that like, you know, it takes 12 months to fall pregnant is the average, whether that's right or wrong. I don't know. Essentially, we we're still in that timeline. So we we're like, let's just do what the doctor's saying first. Least yeah. invasive. Let's go ahead. Yeah. So then you popped up in the clinic and <laughs> <laughs> I saw this name pop up and I was like, Oh, this is the first person. I knew at some point that there was going to be someone I knew. I just knew that it was going to happen because Melbourne's small and IVF world is also small. And I just had this feeling that I knew that someone was going to come through because we're getting right to that age where people are starting to try. And I I know, I think that it's hard because I know that people are going to end up down that path. Who knows who it is, but there are going to be people around us who are going to end up down that path. So I saw your name come up. (laughs) I'm just going to keep an eye out from a distance. Hopefully they get going and it's all fine from the start. So then you had your first IUI cycle. Yeah. And this is all from memory. Yeah. (laughs) So you had your first IUI cycle and you were pretty stressed already by the time you walked into the clinic. Yeah, absolutely. Like it had just been weighing on my mind a lot and it's scary like the fact that you have to start getting interventions in place it's pretty terrifying I imagine knowing that you know you don't know how much or how little this process is going to take I think that was made pretty clear to us from the start that like 
they sort of drip feed you the information, which you can absolutely understand because it mm. can go down so many different pathways. Totally. At the time, Ellie and I, give us all the information. Yeah. We'll, we'll make the call <laughs> after that. But I guess the advice was, no, 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 this is what the two options are. Make the call and then yeah. get to the next sort of obstacle, make the next call. And that's sort of how that process started. Yeah. So you had the first IUI cycle, which was a natural cycle. So you didn't have to worry about medications or anything like that. How was your experience at the start doing scans and bloods and that sort of thing? Yeah, it was pretty well mapped out, like that process, as in come in on this day, yeah, do your bloods, do your scans. Yeah. So I felt pretty comfortable with that. But I think in the back of my mind, I I just thought, okay, well, this is going to happen now. Like yeah. we've waited all this time. Now we've gone down this path. Here we go. I'll be pregnant in the next yeah. couple of weeks. So I just don't think that I was prepared for what was to come. Totally. Um, totally. And pretty naive. Yeah. I think as well, like we, when we started, we were kind of amongst our friendship group, a lot of our friends didn't have kids or hadn't started trying. Mm. So I was in that mindset of like, okay, well, we've tried naturally, that didn't work. Now we're going to do IUI. Well, there's nothing that's been identified that's clearly wrong. Yeah. This should all this should go all ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little ah, kids, you know. Know. <laughs> <laughs> So then you started your first IUI cycle and that one got cancelled due to a low number of follicles. It just wasn't worth going ahead. So then I think... Well, I just imagine, I can't really remember, but I imagine they would have said to you, go back and see a specialist. Let's make a new plan because that didn't really work that well. Um, And then you would have gone back and seen a specialist and made a new plan and then come back for another cycle with your next period or maybe the period after. Yeah. And that was where they started to say, okay, let's get medications involved. How did that feel? Yeah, look, I think I was kind of happy that things were progressing at that point. Like, yeah. I knew that the first one didn't work. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of ready to just whatever you want to put. Yeah, and yeah. I guess at that point, you know, you're just like, whatever we have to do, just get me pregnant. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so then you came back for your second cycle, which was the IUI cycle again. And uh, that was when you started the injections. So walk us through what it was like having to start the injections and how it went for you and Locke uh, did you do the injecting or did you guys talk about who was going <laughs> to do the injecting? <laughs> uh, Ali did the injecting but I think after a while we sort of got to a plan where I'd have everything ready to clean up after just leave it you go do what you gotta do get it done and I'll clean up after. Yeah I think the big thing for me is I was going to inject myself but like Locke was there to kind of pick up the medications after yep. work help make sure it was in his diary as well like mm. the times and things that I had to take them which I found really helpful. So you did the IUI cycle and uh, you had a successful IUI procedure. I guess that was your first exposure to having IVF procedures and and all of that environment and everything. So just walk us through a little bit of how it felt, you know, the day of, how nervous you were and going into that sort of sterile environment. Yeah, I I wish my memory was better on all of this stuff, but I um, (laughs) am... I remember we went in together. People who don't know, you've got to produce that sperm sample on the day and it takes about two hours for the lab to prepare that sperm. So it can be come in, then go off and then come back for the IUI procedure itself. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly as how everyone makes it out to be. It's, it's the horrible <laughs> leather chair situation. Yeah. And, uh, it's, <laughs> it's as awful as... It's, it's, the, the waiting room is very sterile and you're also looking at other guys before you go in. And <laughs> it's, it's like, we know what we're here for. <laughs> I do remember like everyone just has like their eyes down and you're like you're staring at each other's shoes before you go in <laughs> uh, and it was 
COVID around then too. Yeah, it would have um, been. Yeah. So it was very, I went in on one floor, Locke went in on another. And then we didn't kind of see each other until after. I think he, he went in and did his mm. thing and then I went upstairs and yeah. I waited. Yeah. And then we didn't catch up until after. And I think yeah. that process, for me, it was just very real. It was yeah. like, oh, shit, we're here. Um, This yeah. isn't kind of what I expected yeah. baby making to look like. But no, that was kind of. not to have your partner next to you because of COVID times, they couldn't be in the same room as you. Like, yeah. That's totally. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> to hold your hand even, you know, yeah. that simple yeah. part of it. That it just wasn't allowed and it just took away that, you know, there is no nice part to it, but at least you could have had a comfort zone right next to you and... Or just had someone to chat to, like, you know, sit there and distract distract ourselves and, you know. We did stay on the phones together for a bit. I I remember we had like a process that I'd be finished first. I'd go downstairs, go get a coffee across the road. And I'd just sit in the cafe by myself waiting for (laughs) Ellie and I were texting. She's like, I'm going in in five, four. And then like the last (laughs) message was just like, okay, she's in now. Um, but the procedure itself, for me, I didn't yeah. find it all that daunting. Like mm-hmm. I went in, um, everyone was just so beautiful, very calming. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a sterile environment. It's a hospital. Yeah. You know, it's a definitely a hospital setting. There's nothing sexy about it. But yeah. <laughs> um, you kind of come in and everyone's very informative in the way that they address the situation. Yeah. I think the embryologist comes in first. Mm-hmm. They come in and have a chat to you first, let you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Then a nurse comes in and just asks a couple of questions. And then the doctor comes in and then actually does the insemination process. So I think everyone like felt really supported. There were enough people to ask questions to lots of different specialists, obviously there to do their role, which I found really, really comforting at that Mm. point. You're an information person. So you love information. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. So then you had the IUI and you don't have any anesthetic when that happens. And then you would have gone about your day as normal. And then you knew it was the waiting period. So that was your first time waiting for a pregnancy result. And I imagine it just went forever. (laughs) Yeah, it was around Christmas. I do remember that. We were waiting for the result. It was just before Christmas we did the IUI. And then the the day we were going to get a call, Mm. we were heading away about an hour later for Mm -hmm. New Year's with friends. And I just really wanted to know but I also kind of had an inkling that like it just it didn't feel good like Al- I just Ellie's pretty naturally pretty pessimistic mm. I, I know I, I know <laughs> Yeah, I just felt like something wasn't right. And I think I'd been so deflated so many times, like so many months in the lead up that I was just really scared. I think that it's also a defensive thing sometimes. It's easier to tell yourself it's not going to work so that then you can prepare yourself for that that answer than telling yourself it's going to be great, it's going to be good, it's going to work. And then, yeah, I I think, I don't know. You read that everywhere though as well. Yeah. Act, be just like you know predict the worst so then you're happy when it's a good yeah. result yeah um, I, we sort and of just, I like live by that to be honest yeah. so bad <laughs> we sort of just, I always try and like soften the blow I'm like yeah, yeah. But, I think but that's the, it's your first instinct is to soften the blow to yourself as a defensive thing so that then you know if it's great great but if it's not you're like okay, I sort of knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. To go back to your earlier question, that time of waiting, Ellie and I described it to each other as like a this brain fog, like you were trying mm-hmm. to concentrate, but you just had this fog that was just so unclear in your thoughts. Yeah. And um, then I guess when you get to the end, whether it's a good outcome or a bad outcome, mm. the weight comes off your shoulders, whether it's for good or bad. Yeah. Um, but then you're just exhausted because you've had this sort of wound up totally. experience mm. for two two weeks or however long the waiting period was. Mm. And then you're just like, okay, it didn't work out. Wow. And then you go into this collapse almost. 
And um, I'm, I imagine it's like a collapse of sort of even like a few hours, a few days, because then you're like, okay, what are we going to do next? Like, yeah, absolutely. Where are we going you mm, yeah, you got to be quick to move on and, you know, brush yourself off and be like, all right, we've got to be positive again because everyone says stay positive because that yeah. helps. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Try our best. <laughs> yeah. So then you sort of knew once the IUI hadn't worked, you sort of had two options and that was that you can either try another IUI with sort of the same medications or you can go back and see a specialist and then maybe move on to IVF. Yeah. I guess you guys would have discussed that at the time and then you decided that you were going to try another IUI because there's, you know, no harm I think harm we in still it. got recommended to do another IUI. Yeah, there's no yeah. harm in doing it because we know that there's not as much guarantee of, of them working, but there's no harm in trying another one because uh, it's terrible for me to say, but a month is a month and, you know, we can always try IVF and move on to that after. Yeah. And, and we were told that Ellie was sort of in that age where, like, you're still quite young for the IVF process yeah um so it was like yeah time was up our sleeve but yeah. we didn't see it that way yeah no <laughs> but i don't think i don't think that really anybody does to be honest no no i don't i everyone is like we get told that it's fine we've got time up our sleeve but i like i wanted to be pregnant yesterday and i think yeah. that that's a thing you know ivf patients come to us and they wanted to be pregnant yesterday not in a month's time so i think that's a totally normal situation to be in ellie and i had this thing the whole way through that when we you know got to the good result mm. that if someone just told us hey it's going to take you two and a half years that time would be fine we'd, we'd be able to deal with that we're like okay that's okay it's going to take us this long we can mentally prep for that but yeah. it was the unknown yeah the unknown yeah. and oh gosh I and we talk about that all, all the time, time. Yeah. yeah i can't even imagine i'm a timelines person too and mm. it's like if you can get your head around that then that's fine but the unknown is really awful it's really scary yeah, yeah. So then you had another go at IUI and then it actually got cancelled again because you just get, didn't get any follicles and you just thought it's not worth it. So let's just um, cancel it. And then it was, okay, let's look at IVF. Yeah. Yeah. So then you went and saw a specialist about IVF and started that process. And that's where, yes. <laughs> that's where I actually became your nurse. Yes. <laughs> so I remember uh, basically I saw that I had some treatment instructions for you guys and I was like, oh, it is them, isn't it? Like, it's them. And I was like, no, no, it's definitely them. <laughs> and uh, do you know the, the defining factor was I was like, no, Lox spells his name with an O. I was like, it's definitely them. Yep. <laughs> yeah, also, all, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do get that a lot. Yeah. Uh, so then I actually got my manager to call you, Elle, because I wanted to make sure that you were comfortable with me looking after you because, you know, it's a, kind of a confronting thing when you know that not many people really know what you're going through, but we have mutual friends and everything and, and you know, it's it was a confronting situation. So I got my manager to call you guys and just make sure that you were okay with me looking after you. Yeah. And then <laughs> the rest was history. <laughs> yeah. On the flip side of that, I'd seen like you'd posted something just saying that you'd started there. So mm -hmm. I kind of had an inkling that you were around, but I didn't know how big the IVF clinic was. So... Yeah, I, I'd seen that you're around, so yeah. that was really nice, actually, to yeah, yeah See have that move face, absolutely. Yeah. So then brought you into the clinic and we went through how IVF works. Now, there's 
a part that I've actually never told you and I wanted to <laughs> tell you guys. So when I was walking through everything step by step with you. So basically we bring patients in to go through step by step how the cycle is going to work. And I remember we get to the part about the egg collection and I was going through the talk and I, for some reason with you guys, I said to you, do you know what? I actually think it was because I could tell you were so stressed. <laughs> at the time. And I said to you guys, you'll know how many eggs were collected after the egg collection and then following days when we call you and let you know how many of those eggs have been fertilized with the sperm and then we go from there to wait and see for five days if we've got embryos by the end of that stage and for some reason I like harped on about the fact that if any problems were going to come up it was at that point that it was most likely that we were going to see any issues whether it was down to egg quality sperm quality whether they weren't communicating very well and I for some reason I remember I fully was like but just remember that if, if anything's going to happen it's here and I don't want to say that to increase your anxiety around that time but I just want you to be aware that if it's going to happen it might be here that it comes up and I have said that to every single patient from that moment onwards because you know it didn't go to plan and and I was like thank god I said that thank god because otherwise I could have just been like you know it'll be fine and then we'll go to here and then we'll go to here and you would have had you know not much warning yeah yeah anyway so that was something that stood out to me because I would never (laughs) not said it to a patient again from that moment onwards So then you did the IVF medications and it was pretty similar to the IUI cycle. So you get your day one of your period, you start the injections, then you start another injection around day six and then you come in for bloods and scans. If you've got good bloods and scans, we either do a second scan and bloods and then we go from there. Anyway, you got down the track, you were ready for egg collection, you went to egg collection. Do you reckon you felt any different walking into the same clinic for an IVF cycle because you're under Mm. anesthetic you're actually going through a full procedure rather than being in that setting going for an IUI procedure I think when I look back on it the the big thing for me is I hadn't we had been going at this back to back for so long that I think like my mental state at that point doing that first round of IVF we Mm. just had three failed rounds of IUI yeah straight into an IVF cycle I was Mm. so stressed yeah you were I I was you were so so anxious and I just I oh it makes me feel a bit sick thinking about it but like I really wasn't in a good mental state anyway it had nothing to do with the procedure or what was about to happen I think it was just the fact that we've now ended up here after all this time and yeah I just wasn't really like mentally kind of in a good place no but I also think at the same time you were just like go 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 yeah let's not stop for a second whatever we we have to do all the time yeah there's Mm. no breaks everyone's just like it's not just another month to them if they miss out no they just keep going because it's another month they're not pregnant yeah yeah prolongs that process and I will say like when people say oh it's you know you maybe just wait a little bit you know Mm. what's a couple of months like to saying that to someone who is desperate to have a baby yeah is never really I'd never found that helpful a month to me was another month where I wouldn't get to meet a baby and maybe it would make it harder in a few months time to keep trying the other the other one I was gonna say was that people always say oh you just need a break go on a go on a holiday go away and it's like so you're telling us to go away when all we're thinking about is is this even if you did go away and you go away and you sit down like well now we're thinking about it and we're actually not doing anything about it (laughs) so um it's sort of like if you've got yeah it just felt like if we had the the power to keep going let's just keep going and and yeah. the more holes we go down to hit an obstacle and then get to the next one it's like well we've ticked that off it can't be that and we go again yeah 
I think the amazing thing was in the days leading up taking the drugs, I was pretty emotional mm. and Locke was an incredible support. Just so there to help with anything. Yeah. I think the day before the procedure, it was a Sunday. I remember that. Yeah. I took my last, last injection. injection. Yeah. And afterwards, I just broke down. Yeah. I was just so over it. I was really, in a, as I said, I wasn't in a great place. I was so anxious about what was to come. Yeah. And it wasn't the medical side of things. It was just like, what if, as a, again, like it, it's the pessimism dropping in, being like, yeah. what if this doesn't work? Yeah. And we've got a giant dog at home who was just yeah. there. Locke's comforting me. The giant, yeah. <laughs> Dusty's comforting me. They were both around me. And anyway, we went in for the procedure. Yeah, and it didn't feel any different it just felt like tick another box yeah let's just get it over with yeah yeah basically I remember we get the results before you guys Mm. do and I remember just being like the entire oh god I like it was Mm. just (laughs) I remember getting the piece of paper and I was so anxious for you guys in the Mm. process and I remember I'd been on the phone to you guys so much and then so much so much and then um I got that piece of paper and I was just, my heart sank. I honestly didn't know what to do with myself. Like, mm. So basically we got your results and it said that of the eggs that you got collected, unfortunately none had fertilised with the sperm. So that means we're at basically 0.0, basically, yeah. and we've gone sort of five steps backwards potentially. So I literally remember just I was like procrastinating from the call I was like I feel sick I don't want to tell them and I was like I could get another nurse to call them but then I was like I don't want it to come from someone else (laughs) that's just not fair on I was like no way so I remember that um I called you and I think literally you knew as soon as you answered the phone and I said hi like you just I it and people say that, we get that a lot, that people, once the patients get to know their nurses, they say that sometimes they can tell from even like the tone in our voices and that sort of thing. Because mm. I think, you know, we're on this journey with them from start to finish and we care, you know, we yep. get so involved in these I cycles. I when I have to make a bad call. Like, yeah. I don't, I have to psych myself up. Yeah, like, same. Oh my God, like they're waiting on the other side for this totally. phone call. They could be at work. And you've yep. got to give this information and then they've just got to what, go back to work. Especially like failed fertilization is probably one of the worst things that we It is. It's awful. See. And it's then absolutely that's the awful. end. Like yeah. That's the end of the cycle. There's no pregnancy test or getting through to that stage. Yeah. At that time, I sort of appreciated like the honesty though. It wasn't yeah, like, absolutely. hey, um, oh, but this can happen, this can happen. It's like, no, it's shit. It's shit. Go just deal with it. Hey, you got to deal with it. Like, I'm so sorry to tell you that, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be in touch soon. Yeah. And... Again, it's like I said before, you deal with it, dust yourself off. Totally. Let's go again. Yeah. So I called you and, and I remember you answering the phone and I, I remember it so clearly, so clearly. I remember it so clearly. <laughs> oh. um, and I said to you guys, uh, well, I said to Elle, I was like, hi, Elle, it's Luce. Can you tell me your date of birth and whatever? And at that point, doing the date of birth, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I was like, anyway, I had to follow protocol. The first thing I said to you was I was like, oh are you at home or at work and you're like no I'm at home we're just working from home and I was like is Locke there with you and you literally as soon as I finished that sentence Mm. you were like oh fuck it's bad isn't it and I was like oh is he there with you and just trying to figure out where you were and how it was going to unfold and then you're like oh I'll I'll just get him I think he's in a meeting oh my god blah 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 and then I just said don't worry you know just (laughs) let me know when you're ready and then you went and got Locke out of the meeting and then I said unfortunately 
we've got the bad news that um, none of those eggs have actually fertilised. Um, yeah. And are, you just, like... I was beside birth. myself. You were absolutely yeah, it makes you so upset thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, like, um, you were absolutely yeah. beside yourself. It you was know? on my birthday. Yeah. I was, yes. um, yeah, I, I just thought, that. like, doing it on my... I don't know why, but Same. it all ended up being on, like, on this date. And yeah. um, I remember thinking, well, maybe that's a really good sign. And then... Yeah. Um, we got the news and just... I remember before it being like, you know, hopefully I'm with you on your birthday. <laughs> you know, like yeah. we, we all try to be so positive mm. and it was just awful. And I remember you just, were, I, you actually couldn't speak. I was actually, you couldn't speak by that point. I was talking to Locke on the phone because yeah. I was on speaker <laughs> and I could just hear you bawling your eyes out in the mm. background. I had tears in my eyes as I was sitting there looking at the computer and I was like, oh God, it's such a hard line as well because there's this this line of friendship and professionalism as being your nurse and the rest of it. You know, we always get caught in that situation a lot in nursing of like, where is the line and like, how much do you feel and the rest of it? And I, you know, I never at, at any point gave myself a hard time for feeling the feels, but I was just devastated by that point. And I was mm. just like, oh my God, how are we going to keep going? And, and like, we felt that too. Like, I, yeah. you know, we felt so supported. You're incredible. It was, yeah, we could, you know, tell like the disappointment from your side as well yeah it was just a rough ride it was it was awful anyway and then on the phone I walked you through the fact that the eggs didn't look great quality and that was what was looking like the problem was but we needed to go back and speak to the embryologist and speak to your specialist and then make a new plan and go from there I imagine that one was pretty hard to dust yourselves off from because you know it was kind of like oh hang on like this is just not what we expected at all I also wanted to ask you, Elle, you know, finding out that it was your egg quality, I wonder if you did any blaming yourself or anything and that sort of thing. Yeah, heaps of it. And, like, you yeah. just question so much about yourself. Like, yeah. I think for me, you know, what if I can't have – like, yeah. that was kind of the thought at that point. And totally. I know that people go through this for years. And totally. we were still so, you know, relatively early. But yeah. at the same time, when you hear that the eggs – not of good quality and they're not fertilizing you just think like well and this is a horrible thing to say but like you know we want a family Locke wants a family I want a family but like if I can't give that then what happens to us as well you know like how to and that was never coming from Locke in any way but like you you just think it you know like what does your future look like Like, it's just all of these awful thoughts kind of project and you can't stop them so you just let them come through and sit with them for a bit and then brush them off but um it feels pretty grim at that point yeah um I remember as well um I think it must have been when I checked on you a few days later and you said exactly that sentence you were like well you know like what if I where do we go from here and what if I can't have kids like you know do we need to look at donor eggs and I was like (laughs) (laughs) that goes back to Ellie wanting to have all the information because there were those conversations like how far is this going to go when do we have to start inquiring on those processes because we know that they're going to take time as well absolutely and if this is going to take years and years like well do we look at like we were so desperate for a family do we look at fostering like for a little while if if this is going to be years-long process yeah you know how do we change the situation we're in right now so it's all yeah which sounds really catastrophic that's just where your mind is where your mind goes mm. genuinely and back on that egg quality that like that sort of ran with Ali and us and sort of has this whole time in that like every time we got to a test or wherever it was oh well 
the egg quality is going to be bad. Like even when we got um, eggs and embryos, well, the, the quality is not going to be good enough. When mm. we got to the point of insemination, is it going to work? Well, no, it's not because mm. we know. So that sort of stuck with <laughs> Ali's pessimist mindset, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pessimistic mindset. Um, but yeah, that, that was another, I guess, difficulty to sort of overcome. Mm. Yeah. It's a brutal first IVF cycle. Oh. You would think it's going to happen every time. And I, to be honest, I had no idea. I think yeah. that was the thing. I'd done so much research online. I'd read mm. stupid blogs. I'd read, like, I'd <laughs> yeah. talked to, like, forums. yeah, forums <laughs> and spoken to nurses and things, but I hadn't actually spoken to many people that had gone through the process. Mm. I didn't know any of my friends that had gone through the process no. or anyone that was close enough to me to kind of reach out to. And I think not having someone else's experience, I was like, well, is this just, does this mean if it happens once, it happens all the time? Yeah. yeah. And I imagine as well, even though you had such great supports around you, you still felt pretty alone by that point. Yeah, and I think at that point we hadn't really spoken to many people. We kind of told people no, we were trying. Yeah, I remember by that point you were like really, we really haven't told anyone because I remember you saying that to me. And yeah, and I was really worried to tell people only for the fact that not because I was trying to hide anything, mm. but more so because I didn't want other people to think that if they were starting to try that this might be their journey as well. Mm. So I kind of wanted to protect friends and things by not laying this on them. That's so yeah. nice of you. Yeah. Well, we literally just yeah. had this conversation in one of our other episodes about how people who are going through it are out there to protect the people around them. And it's like, you guys are the main priority. Mm. And, and, you know, but it's just funny how that mindset works that you guys are like, no, 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 we want to protect everyone around us. But also you needed people to protect you too, yeah. you know. Yeah. And your friends know. Your friends and family yeah. know. Like when you're starting to withdraw or not go to things or yeah, totally. stay for an hour and then head home, like that's not us. Yeah, We're really social. We love spending time with people. Something obviously wasn't right. So that's kind of when we let everyone in and just said, hey, this is what we're going through. Yeah. People knew on a surface level, mm. but like we kind of went through the process and said, yeah, this is hard and we're going to bounce in and out and everyone kind of understood that. So. Yeah. And I think, I guess, to alleviate the stresses that's going on in your life, that, that's a good one because you sort of play that ticket to your friends to say, hey, or friends and family, um, that, you know, if you've got to leave after an hour, if you're not rocking up to something that you usually rock up to, instead of having to then deal with the fallout and the questions, it's just, hey, they've got that ticket, they've played it. And we yeah. sort of know. So yeah. that yeah. was certainly helpful. And mm. people told us to try and alleviate as much stress in your life. And that was certainly one of them when we sort of let people in, but then didn't have to go into detail with everyone about what's going on because yeah. you don't want to also have those people ride all the bumps with you because they're hanging on to the information and the results and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> We're going through that with you as well. And you don't have to deal yeah. with that. This week's episode will be a two-part series, so we will be releasing part two next week and then continue with fortnightly episodes from there. Sorry to keep you all hanging, but Elle and Locke's journey is a long and special one, which we really didn't want to rush. Keep your eyes out for part two next week to find out how their journey continued and ended. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week.